I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Yo, that was the one and only Akira the Don on the intro, one of his Dune Wave songs featuring Danica, aka Comic Book Girl 19. Uh, so we happen to have Akira on the chat today uh, with me and my buddy Tom on the Emptiness Lab. And if you know Akira, he produces a crazy amount of uh, songs and so much work. So we talk about dropping in the flow, the zone, and how to get hyper-productive. We also talk about a lot of psychedelic topics and this pendulum of the algorithm that swings every seven years or so that he's kind of been able to read and tap into. So it was crazy. While I was sitting in this, participating in the um, recording, I was like, this is one of my favorite podcasts just to listen to ever. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, we kind of, right when we got on the Zoom, we just went into kind of a, the conversation. So I was like, oh, click record and uh, let's go. So passionate about their way. And then what can we do now? Now, now we've got the fucking internet, man. They didn't even have the internet. <laughs> how trippy that would have been for them, you know, back, back well, in the day. <laughs> saw it coming you know i was talking with mark watts alan's son yesterday uh and he was saying you know what you know we're we're to moving forward and doing stuff well one thing people always is like oh what would alan watts think about now what would terence mckenna think about now and i was like the thing is that they kind of spoke about all this stuff already so you just got to go back and find those conversations where they were talking about either very similar things or or essentially predicting which both of them did pretty accurately so we can go back and we can find people who've thought about things very deeply and we can go back to similar times because there's always been similar times. Everything repeats. There are different aspects. Now we've got the internet, so everything hits harder and can have way more of an impact, but we've had periods of time like this before. So you can go back there and say, what were people thinking then? What were the, the great minds? What was their vibes? You know, what were they saying about what was going on? You can have those inter, interdimensional cross space and time conversations. You know, you can do that archaic revival and go back and bring, bring back what's useful for now, from all those bad motherfuckers who came before. Mm. Who's bringing them into the present, from the yeah. past? Exactly. Yeah, it's Terence McKenna actually was talking a lot about the whole, and we called it the cyberdelic space, all the internet. It, it seems very prophetic. Going back and listening to his talks. He was, I mean, he knew what was coming there. It's a bit like with Aldous Huxley. Aldous Huxley was so prophetic because he knew what was coming. 
because he was involved in it. His brother was helping build it. You know, that was his family. Like there was, you know, smart, powerful, some might say evil people planning things. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them had people's best interests at heart and some of them perhaps not. But he could see, he knew what was coming because he knew what was coming. He could see what was coming because he was aware of it. Same with Terence McKenna. Terence McKenna was plugged in with a lot of smart people who were building the future. And the best way to predict the future is to create it. You know? But, uh, yeah. McKenna's- I think, it, I think it's, it, it's interesting that like the, the kind of discourse now going around is, is so much about this, the sort of the the subversive, the dark sort of malevolent nature of this technology and what, you know, what's going to happen when this Illuminati sort of gets their teeth in and really starts to, to dominate us through this 5G and all this sort of this connectivity that we're a part of. But people often forget that the same mechanism or the same tool is actually being used by people such as yourself to actually spread this new consciousness of, of waking people the fuck up. You know, simultaneously, people are so fearful that they're getting going to get fucked over. But at the same time, there's this almost this underground movement that no one wants to admit or the media doesn't want to admit is happening. The people are waking the fuck up. It's not even underground. I was having this conversation yesterday uh, with Peter Lindbergh from the Stoa. Uh, He was asking what I thought about all this Q stuff and all these various kind of conspiracy movements that are gaining traction again. And it's, you know, it's just as predicted. If you look at the seven year sort of cycle of psychedelic to punk is one way of looking at it or from uh, sort of sci-fi to very grounded, you know, we were seven years ago, it was Zion 2012, the Apocalympics, and people were thinking there was going to be a staged alien invasion at the Olympics. People were talking about giants and all this. And then we crashed back down to earth and suddenly all the conspiracy lot were talking about uh, Muslims and feminism for like seven years then suddenly we're back off into crazy town again. But the thing is, is uh, all those tools, as you were talking about, those tools of potential oppression, you know, maybe the internet was developed by the military specifically to enslave people, but it's been the thing that freed people. It's been the thing that brings us all together. In this current situation, everyone's indoors, but people are freer than they've ever been in a way. Everyone's suddenly realizing, oh, I can get on Zoom, talk with my family. And people are spending more time with their families now than they were before. People are having more interesting conversations before. People are inside and they're going deeper and deeper in. And they're asking all these questions that some that previously only some of us asked because of our life experiences or our nature or whatever. But normies are now asking those questions. And because of these tools, because of the internet and all this stuff, normies are getting answers, which means normies don't barely even exist anymore. Normies are endangered species because normies require normalcy. And we have no longer normalcy. And that mainstream you were talking about isn't the mainstream anymore because people only watch CNN in airports. No one's in fucking airports. People are fucking, more people are reading up on fucking Q conspiracies than are paying attention to what Don Lemon's talking about. Like the so-called underground is the new mainstream and the yeah. so-called mainstream is, uh, is an archaic, is a sort of shadow of something that, that's disappearing because the sun has moved. That's a crazy, that's a crazy realization. Because if you watch the new CNN, they still present themselves as the authority, as the mainstream, the voice of everything. But no one's, everyone's listening to the many voices on the internet and personalities that aren't propped up by the big money that's still just throwing everything at it to keep it alive. But it is dying and it is almost the minority. You look what they did with YouTube 
when they deliberately turned it into the tube, right? CNN's collapsing and, you know, all these institutions are collapsing. So they start giving huge, cre like in tw after 2016, they start really pushing CNN and MSNBC and Fox on YouTube. So if you, you can look at, you can go look at it and you can look at the stats of their channels from when they started really pushing it on everyone's feeds, they only go up a little bit. Even though the, the entire weight of uh, the powers of YouTube's algorithms are pushing these things, still nobody really wants them. It's only a little bump that they got. Uh, the desperation is palpable and hilarious. Remember when uh, the WikiLeaks stuff dropped in 2016? And I remember one of those guys, I think it was on CNN, came on saying, given, saying, oh yes, these WikiLeaks things have come out, but you should know it's a crime for you to even look at them. You should, it li he literally says you should only listen to us talking about them. We tell you what's going on. We show you what's going on. It's this desperation. We say what's going on. You have to listen to us. And everyone's like, fuck off. I've already read about John Possessed chopping up his hands and all that weird shit. Like, people already know about that stuff. Like, the, uh, you know, the chicken has flown the fucking nest. A genie is out of the bottle. And when a genie is out of a bottle, it does not go back into the fucking bottle. I was just listening um, to uh, an interview yesterday. I've forgotten who it was. Um... There was a guy, an English guy, he just wrote a book about mescaline, the history of mescaline. And he was talking about LSD and how the actual, the initial impetus for, for, for developing LSD, how, how different it was to what actually happened in the 50s and 60s and how the actual, the public or certain groups and members of the public, they actually, they actually took that drug or, or the idea behind what that drug meant from when they took it and actually adapted it to completely different purposes from, from what it was initially intended to, you know, from the military purposes and then the MK, MK ultras and all this, these different ideas about control and suppression and about planting different thoughts, changing people's minds. And it ended up something completely different. And I think maybe, maybe we're going through another sort of a revival of that kind of te technological impetus of people's power to actually take something that is appears on the surface as being something to suppress us or hold us back. But in fact, we could actually flip it and, and take it to the completely opposite. You know, you could pick up a rock and you could use it to cave in someone's skull, or you could use it to like scratch a beautiful picture on a wall, or you could use it to like get your food. You know what I mean? It's like everything we create, we might create it for one purpose, but it always has other purposes. You can always find basically the opposite use for it. It's not just the human that has the shadow side, it's everything has the shadow, which means everything has the opposite of the shadow. So it's impossible, for, you know, that if, if you believe in a kind of Illuminati-ish world or whatever, uh, completely, or in the, in the, in the sort of all-powerfulness of this, this, these people, they're shit at their jobs. They should, like, then, you know, they should have been, they should have had this thing locked down by now. They have all the technology, they have all the power, supposedly, they're supposedly geniuses, but they don't. It's because everything that is tried always has that unintended consequence and has that unintended opposite, that unintended light. And creates all the, you know, like we were talking about with the internet, like you're talking about with LSD. Now the big thing with LSD, well, with psychedelics anyway, is it's all being used to treat mental health and things of that nature, right? It's about to be kind of legalized en masse just in time for the new psychedelic revival, uh, you know, and used for good this thing that was supposed to, you know, control us and destroy us and this, that, and the other. It always fucking happens throughout the history of humanity. It's happened and it will continue to happen. And the inverse is true. We'll create something that's supposed to be a nice thing and it'll end up being used for fucking evil. 
but that, that's just the fucking duality of, of the this existence and always has been and always will be balance rude boy as my friend big nasty always says mm. balance back to the universe what one of those tools that people concentrate on the shadow side is the algorithm like the ai and how it gets people in these echo chambers and everything but that was the I believe that was how I came into contact with you was, I mean, the Rogan, McKenna, Watts, like it's a generational um, line you tapped into that were all the things I was interested in, Tom. It was this voice that you seem to be extracting and putting out that a lot of people, um, I think that's how they found you too. Is that, was that purposeful or are those just the things you're interested in when you pick these people and these topics? Uh, Yeah, you're right. The algorithm giveth and the algorithm taketh away is one thing. And again, that's that balance. Uh, It was the times call forth the speaker is one way of looking at it. You know what I mean? A couple of years ago, uh, Peterson was very, very necessary. You know, and you can kind of look at it. I can see it on the back end of what people are looking for on my channel. I knew that this psychedelic thing was incoming. And in the past couple of months, searches for Terence McKenna have gone through the roof, whereas he was like the least popular of the people I was covering a couple of years ago when things were in that solid space that were in that, you know, earthly, more earthy realm. Now people are going inward and outward again, right? Uh, I, I literally just picked the people who I think are the right people to tell the stories I'm trying to tell or communicate the ideas I want to communicate. And the whole thing is the idea of Meaning Wave is that it is a, psych- a psychotechnology to help integrate the wisdom of the ages and of now. And to infuse us with the kind of mental tools we need to do what we have to do as a species and to achieve uh, our potential in this lifetime and also achieve ultimately alignment with our higher selves as a species and music is incredibly powerful and it just boggles my mind as a dj having witnessed how powerful it is seeing how you can add this to this and create this reaction you can literally make people fight you can play two records in combination in a nightclub and people will be punching each other in the face it works i've tried it you can make people at a distance you can get people together you can you can bring you can make people start finger banging it's ridiculous you know so like damn what are people using this music for and like i worked out when i was young the way i did my exams before i quit school when i was 16 was i used to play read my notes over ambient music and play it when i went to sleep and that was the only revision i did and it worked so meaning wave the idea of meaning wave is that it's like that neo in the matrix uh, i know kung fu thing so you can take a complicated idea and you can turn it into some pop songs that you can listen to a thousand times and it will go in and it will go into the unconscious where it, where it does the most work because most things happen in the unconscious, right? Particularly the older you get, the more of your life gets turned into habit loops and the more it's the unconscious that is driving the vehicle. For most people, you have to check in on that and try and wake it up a bit. But the more you can program the subconscious to be doing the things you want to be doing anyway, the better. So uh, that's what Meeting Wave is for. And as far as the choice of speakers, it's like, okay, these are the things that are coming up that we need to deal with that I want to talk about. And then there's bigger ideas that I'm going towards in the future for which the foundations need to be laid first. So like, 
but you can't do Robert Anton Wilson if you haven't first gone through some other things, you know. Uh, the Peterson was amazing at this. Peterson did, was doing for the Western canon what Alan Watts did for the Eastern for two generations that hadn't that had been you know re removed from it. Two generations didn't even understand their own cultural history. So Peterson comes along and kind of quickly does a, a crash course. You know, this is what it is, and this is what the Bible for, and this is why it's good, and this is why it's useful. Da -da 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 -da, really quickly in like you know a year. And he goes really, really hard, as fucking hard as possible. And he almost destroys himself in the process. But just in the nick of time, he gets in there and he gets that information through. Just before right now, this point right now, where we have to do the, the mass consciousness ascension thing all indoors on the internet. So, yeah, does that, hopefully that answers that a bit. Akira, you, you grew up in the UK and Wales. Um, am I right? And, yeah. and I was just thinking just back to... I could maybe maybe use Joseph Campbell's hero's journey as a sort of a as a sort of a, a metaphor of 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 your travels across the waters to the states. Was there some sort of subconscious drive behind you wanting to expand or broaden yourself, or or search for meaning, or search for a creative outlet that was that was more that was more uh, I don't know more conducive to where you were at at that moment, or could you? So could you just take us through a little bit about that, 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 that step that made you decide, okay, fuck it. I'm going to, I'm going to leave these, these dark and stormy waters and I'm going to head across and I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do something. I'm going to find my purpose and meaning. I don't remember anything before the age of seven, but the age of seven is the year I first ran away from home. I just, I just dawned on me everything. I remember seven for whatever reason like maybe some shadows of six. And I remember that I knew I wanted to make music and uh, I wanted to do stuff with drawing comics and making music because that's what I liked. And uh, I wanted to leave where I was and go and have adventures. So, I, you know, I remember the first time I ran away from home, I was seven. And uh, I went, yeah, and I just went off and packed a bag and went to a local shop and tried to like nick some food and stuff. And I had this whole plan that I was going to go hitch a, hitch a ride in a car and I was going to get a train and all this. And I spent years doing that. And I, you know, I left home when I was 15 and went traveling across the country looking for adventure and trying to form bands and join bands and things of that nature. And I always wanted to come to America. And I first came to America, I think in 2004. I, uh, I phoned up my bank and chatted at the lady on the bank and persuaded her to lend me, some, lend me a couple of thousand dollars, even though I had terrible credit and bought a plane ticket to America and turned up in America with like a two bucks. If that it was like one buck or two bucks, I wish I could remember exactly. It was one of them. And within about three weeks, I'd got signed to Interscope Records through a bizarre happenstance of, of crazy events. Like I had this demo CD that a friend of mine's girlfriend was playing in a barber in New York and she was cutting the guy's hair and he was like, what is this? And that ended up on Jimmy Iovine's desk at Interscope. I was in the Everglades at the time, uh, investigating these little fluorescent orange dinosaurs they've got up there and marveling at the upside down trees with the roots in the air and all that. And I come out of the Everglades and my phone's going crazy and Jimmy Iovine wants me to fly me out to LA, you know. So then all that stuff happened. Uh, and then I spent a couple of year, a year or so making a record for them, which then they decided they didn't want to put out because they didn't like the lyrics. It had a song called Thanks for All the AIDS on it, for example, you know. Um, <laughs> Uh, and, but yeah, like it was always, 
And I always wanted to live in America. I always loved American culture. I always loved the idea of America, that like the experiment idea of it. I love the art that came from there. Uh, I loved the kind of like this vast epic kind of tapestry of potential and different people and different stories and origin stories. But the main thing was I realized when I was coming over to America, when I would meet people, because uh, after that initial thing, I kind of like the Interscope thing fell apart. I came back to the UK and built my own, started my own record label, or like, built up my own like little home music making business. You know? um, but in the UK, there is a strange attitude, which some call tall poppy syndrome and some tie into the class system, but it's like, you're not supposed to get above your station. If you're born working class, which I was, you're supposed to stay working class. You're not supposed to fraternize with other people. If you start doing well, people try and tear you down. Uh, if you have some ideas of stuff you want to do, the first thing people do is, is go, they kind of look at how it couldn't happen. They, nah, that's not a good idea because of this, or nah, that might happen, or da 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 da. I would find when I was in America, it would be the opposite. People would be like, yeah, that's great. How could you make this happen? Or this, any other people are very enthusiastic. Also, they don't have this class system. In America, like waitresses are nice to you because they think they're not going to be a waitress forever. And, they're going to go off and do other stuff. In the UK, there's no such thing as service culture. You don't tip barmen and barmen glare at you. You know, it's this completely different thing. And I realized it's because on a subconscious level in the UK, we have the monarchy. And um, so there's this definite ceiling. You're not going to be one of those people. They're better than you. That's not you. You got the class system. You're working class fucking there. In America, it's the opposite. Anyone can be president is the dream that they're told over here. So people act accordingly. So I realized that for me, that the right place to be was America, for me and my family, was that. Because uh, even if it's not true, even if, if the American dream is a lie, as some people would say, the fact that you can dream means that you can, whatever you can dream, there is a possibility for you to create, you know? So that's why we came here. And, uh, you know, for a young country, it's, it's rich with mythology. It's rich, rich with potential. And it also has, as you guys I'm sure know, it's also a lot older than people think it is. And that's kind of exciting. There's this mystery to what was really going on before. I'm glad Meghan Markle went over and spread the American spirit to your people. <laughs> <laughs> they got out make a time, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Almost like they right. knew something was going down. <laughs> oh, Harry, bless him little bastard child you know get the fuck out of there while you can stuff is going down you ever see that video of the naked guy trying to escape from buckingham palace no right. you gotta explain this like some tourists caught a guy a naked well not a guy but he looks like a boy a naked boy tying a load of sheets together trying to get out of buckingham palace a buckingham palace window naked you know the tying sheets together thing that people do in fucking old movies doing that and then falling, and then no one knows what happened to him. And uh, the, the, a few news outlets at the time reported it, and the police said they had no comment to make, and no one had reported an injury or a crime, so they had nothing to say on the matter. And, uh, Q conspiracy. <laughs> Q conspiracy. Naked people trying to escape from Buckingham Palace on sheep together, like it's a Dutton Charlie Chappie film. Jesus. But yeah, anyway, yeah, I was always looking for adventure. Uh, yeah. 
and on, and on adventure you 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 learn right you learn through doing and i think like a lot of the stuff that dj and i are working on and through the emptiness project and and i guess one of the main reasons that we actually uh, became friends in the first place is that we we kind of like to experiment with stuff and explore uh, through doing stuff and through trial and error and and I guess you know looking at your work it's just so incredible to watch your creativity and your your workflow and you just you just get it done and you kind of almost like do it and then think later and 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 could you just take us through a little bit about your sort of understanding of the learning process when it comes to to music creating music, producing music. Well, you learn doing, right? That's the thing, whenever people ask me now, like, oh, how do I, how, people write to me every day, how could I make music? What DAW should I use? What things should I buy? Like, that's the least important thing. You you know this with, with fitness or whatever, right? Pick up a fucking rock. Like, whatever is around. Like, you can make music with anything. Any Anyone who's got a computer or a phone can make music. They all do pretty much the same thing. Uh, the most important thing is to just pick a thing and do it, and then just do it every day and keep doing it. And the more you do it, the better you get. So just make fucking, don't, people get stuck on one song. You know, people will try and make this perfect song and make it perfect and make it perfect. They'll be stuck in it for, forever. It, a, it's impossible because what's perfect to you today will not be perfect to you tomorrow. So you're, you're kind of stuck chasing your own ass forever in that, that thing. That's impossible. I could spend two, I could spend years, which I did. I made these mistakes in the past, laboring over a thing, only then to hate it a few months later because I've changed. You know what I mean? So you just got to keep fucking moving. And uh, the way I operate nowadays is in this hyperproductivity experiment, uh, this zone inhabitation slash hyperproductivity experiment, whereby after, yeah, I used to be a music journalist and I observed, and that was part of me basically wanting to make music from, a, so I was like, oh, if I become a music journalist, I'll know everyone in the music industry and I'll be able to put music out. Back then, you, you know, you had to have a record deal. You don't anymore. But back then you did. So that was my smart plan when I was 16. But uh, I, would, I observed that bands would have an amazing first album and all the B-sides on the first album would be great. You know, Oasis had this catalog of like 30 songs around their first album and B-sides, which were all fucking amazing. Then the second al album comes out and it's, it's, it's just not the same. The vibe is gone. Something's off. And it's because the band will have got into, into the, the zone of being in the band. They'll be rehearsing every day. They'll be writing songs every day, whatever it is. Then they blow up and the record company sends them out on tour and they're doing interviews and stuff and it completely disrupts that zone they were in, right? And they can't get back into it. Oftentimes they never get back into it. You know, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Often you've seen so many bands that have come along with an amazing first thing and then they can never get back to that space. And I knew I'd been in the zone sometimes. So I was like, damn, what if I got in there and never left? What if I worked out a way of doing that? So that's what I've been doing for the past two years, basically the whole meaning wave experiment. And you can see how it's been working and each thing kind of mm. it picks up speed. It's like the snowball thing, you know? And um, there's lots of stuff to do with that. You know, you, you've got to reduce friction wherever you can. Uh, you have to be checking in on the thing every day to stay in that space. You know, you've got to keep always doing it. You've got to move super fast. You can't be questioning yourself. You have to trust your intuition. I use things like synchronicity as signposts. I, see a lot, I get a lot of synchronicities occurring. And the better and more magical project is the more synchronicity they see and the more i pay attention to those and keep moving in the direction that i was going when those things occurred the better the thing becomes so it's kind of like keep moving like a shark at all times consider synchronicities to be signposts and just keep moving keep moving keep moving keep moving keep dropping don't stop 
you know, don't ever stop. Most people, they make an album and they're like, Woo, all right, I'm going to go fuck off for six months or whatever. I finish and I keep moving, you know, keep going, keep going, keep going. And each time you do something, you learn. And if you're not learning, you're doing something wrong as well, because for the thing to also, for also to be in the zone, you need to be teetering on the edge of that thing. You need to be just, you, you've got to be on the brink of disaster at all times, which means you can't be too confident. You've got to be confident enough that uh, I think of it a bit like if you ever played one of those like Mario Kart or Sonic, Sonic and Sega All-Stars games, where you get the power up that allows you to go super fucking fast and kind of like ride over the obstacles or whatever. You know what I mean? So it's like, you've got to be competent enough to be able to drive and you've got to be uh, confident enough to keep moving and not get scared and second guess yourself. You know, you got, uh, but you've got to keep, you've got to be in that danger zone where you could fuck up. So what I do is I introduce something new every project. So I introduce a new technique or a new tool or a new plugin or a new like skill every time I do. So every time I do, I'm A, just on the edge of my competence and I could fuck up at any minute and collapse and I don't quite know exactly what I'm doing. And every time I do something, I learn something new. So each time you just power up, power up, power up, power up, and you're also staying in that area, that proximal zone of, uh, and that's where the magic occurs, right out there on the edge. Everyone said that. Anyone who's ever written anything of value says it's out on the edge that the magic happens. So whatever it is you're doing, you've got to find out where that edge is, and that's the, that's the place you need to be. I think that's why I liked running on, on the bit where the sea and the sand meet. So that just feels like a powerful, epic space. You know, running barefoot through that every night while I was preparing to move to America. That's what we did. We decided, right, we're moving here, so we're going to go to Wales and save our money and apply for the visa, and I'm going to teach myself to be the best DJ on it. And every night I ran on the beach like a fucking horse. And I just fucking powered up all that, all that Welsh sea magic, I think. That's majestic. My father, he was he was born in Wales. Actually, he, he was a son of an old coal miner from Aberdeer, so he has a bit of that darkness, darkness in his roots as well. So maybe that's why that's why some of it comes out in me at, at times as well. Makes so much sense, coal miner, and his father before him. So, so Akira, you you would say that your flow is your sense of flow is more of a of a subjective feeling of of truth within what you're doing and, and not really distracted by any sort of externalities because because what you're doing is it's like it's so unique that that how can there really be any dis- detractors that, that you would be interested in listening to anyway no no i'm in this weird position i was always in this position it used to be it used to be considered a problem it's like uh oh, i'm not really like what anyone else is doing i've got no one to compare myself to which means i've got no scene that i can be a part of which means that journalists don't know what to say about me because they can't go, oh, this, he's grime or he's this, that or the other. It's like, I was always, I was always too odd for people to be able to categorize. So then they just don't want to deal with it. So that used to be considered my problem. And then I worked out actually that was the best thing. So I created my own music industry and stopped engaging with the existing one. Now I have nothing to do with it at all. You know? um, but it's, it's like anything, right? The, um, all unnecessary suffering in life comes as a direct result of a refusal to accept that which is and not being in the moment, right? Like fear exists outside of the moment. Worry exists outside of the moment. Pain exists outside of the moment. All, all, all of that. Uh, and to be deep, when you're deeply in the zone, you're as deep in the moment as you could be, right? 
And the more you're there, the more that sort of filters out into the rest of your life. It's not entirely possible to be exactly in the moment in everything you're doing. Sometimes you have to like pay the rent. But actually, you know, sometimes you have to fucking log onto a website, whatever it is, you know. But the more you're doing that, the more that, that zone magic sort of glitters on everything else. And the more you can, you can learn to apply that to other areas of your life. You know, some people do it with sports. Some people do it with writing. Some people do it with dancing. And that's where they find themselves in that space. But if you can really pay attention to that space and be in that space and then apply that to as much of the rest of your life as possible, then the more glorious everything becomes. I know for myself, whenever I'm doing that, stuff is great. And when I'm not, this is not, you know? That's a really beautiful, that, that description is, is really sort of laced in the Lysergic. It's a, it's a very sort of a, it's a very psychedelic. It, it's a very laced in the lore of the Lysergic. I like that. I don't know what it means. I have to look okay. It no, it, it just, it just makes me think about the psychedelic space of just, oh, yeah. you realize that there is no inco incoherency in life. There's, there's just a lack of awareness of our present moment, you know, and, and, and once, once we're aware of that, once we're in the flow, then all those sort of those small little things, you know, like our body, for example, you know, like, you know, you're in that space and then suddenly you realize, Oh shit, I've got a body to take care of. So I've got to, you know, go and have a, go and have a piss or, or not, not throw up on myself or, you, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's a beautiful sort of a, it's a beautiful metaphor of describing just that, that piece that's, that's there for us. If we can kind of be aware of the potential to be in flow and, and, and realize that it's not some sort of, I don't know. It's not some sort of goal that we have to strive to all the time because it is there. It is there, but we just have to sort of maybe just be, be a little bit more aware and a bit more, I don't know, a bit more chilled out maybe. Cause I see yourself as being someone that's uber productive, but is also super chilled at the same time. The more chilled I've become, the more productive I've become. That is true. So like Alan Watts has that thing of like, you know, we're all falling off a cliff and some of us are hanging onto a piece of rock that's also falling. It's like, just fucking chill. Let go of a piece of rock. It's not helping you to be hanging onto that fucking piece of rock that is also falling off the fucking cliff at the same time as you are. Damn it. So I think about that. Yeah, it's, and it's interesting, the psychedelic thing, because the psychedelic thing is basically a shortcut to that awareness. And everyone I know, everyone who's done that, 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 that really just shows you the truth of all this stuff very early. You know, I had it, I got it off of, um, I was really into Hunter S. Thompson when I was like 15, 14 or something. And also comic books, but like specifically reading Hunter S. Thompson, then Aldous Huxley uh, got me interested in trying that and doing that stuff. And I was a very trippy young man. I used to walk around with a bottle of liquid acid with a dropper. Oh, shit. Dosing myself and everyone else I came into contact with for a year. <laughs> like any day or night. Uh, and that was, that was the thing with that. You just, the first thing you go, and it, because I grew up in Wales as well, the mushrooms used to go around the back of the science block. I forgot about that stuff. So then you have having your kid parties like you do when you're a teenager or whatever. And normally people are just drinking, but we also had that thing running. I remember one of them where I was like, I think it was my wife's, my wife's house. My now wife, I knew her then. But just the water turned into rubber. And I was like, oh, it is. I had one of those things where, so I had one of those little moments very early where I sort of realized that everything, 
thing that existed right here, right now, and it was uh, accessible. And I sort of stayed in that space for a while, really thinking about it. And I had to complete this, no, the first one, but then before that, I remember when I was 14 or something, I came down from school to the town and I sat, and there were these like 50p shaped sort of uh, benches. And I sat on one of the benches and for a weird second, I had this little spasm. And for a second, I, saw, I could see everything that had ever existed in that space and ever would. And all the people around me sort of trailed off into the distance like worms. So their whole, where they'd been was all there and where they were going was all there. And the buildings went as high as they'd ever gone and then where they collapsed. And for a moment, I saw all, I saw all of that. I have no idea why, but I did. And then later on, when I, when I did psychedelic type things, it was like an echo of that. And it was a reminder of the truth of that. Uh, and that's what, that's, yeah. So, and you can get to that without those things. You know, some people get to it through uh, meditation. Some people get to it through dancing. Some people get to it through uh, extreme discipline. You know, these things are accessible. But uh, yeah, definitely case the psychedelic thing is, it's, it's one. It's the genie that once out of the bottle does not go back in. Once you've seen that, you can't unsee it. Once you've felt that, you can't unfeel it. Yeah, there's almost a psychedelic aspect to the how you your your medium of creation, because like you said, in that psychedelic space, instead of chasing after things, whatever future or or objects outside external goals, you see everything in the present and what's around you and how you during the meaning wave it's like i'm sure there's people trying to create this authentic thing or trying to make their baby but you tap into you know and immerse yourself in what's always available these teachers and speakers and these words and you just go deep into them and i could tell when i'm listening to it that you are listening to each and every one of these words and it's like you put so much energy into it with the music that you see something that you could gloss over at another time, but you go so deep into it and you see how magical it is and how it always was and you just bring that to life. It's a very psychedelic feeling in itself. Well, you know that thing in those early trips or whatever, and this stuff glitters, right? I remember reading Aldous Huxley talking about it in the Gates of Perception and Heaven and Hell or whatever it was. Like, the the ordinary suddenly glitters. I had a little psychedelic experience when I was seven, because bloody year seven again, because uh, my uncle realized I was short-sighted, so I got glasses. And suddenly I could see all the bits in the carpet. So, whoa, everything was all shiny. And it was like that the first time I think I did mushrooms or whatever. Suddenly everything's glittering. And that's what it is when, you, when you're listening to these words and stuff, certain bits of it really glitter and you like really go in on these magical bits. And I, so I'm trying to bring those out and I'm trying to uh, integrate those with the correct music that gives form to that thing that I can see, you know, to that glittering quality, that magical, shimmering, sort of immortal, uh, ultra-dimensional quality, extra-dimensional quality, whatever it is. Because it's already there. All of it's already there. It's like the thing with melodies. The me all the melodies exist. You just sort of pull them out of the air. You know what I mean? You're not like, it's like with a, with a uh, you know, it's like a stat the statue of David or whatever. That was there. You just had to remove the bits of rock to reveal what was already there. 
You know what I mean? The sculpture exists already. That was like that 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 weird little vision I had. You could see, oh, the buildings already existed, all the stuff. All of that was already there. You just kind of allow it to be there. Mm. I got a song coming out at P Hall on Friday. It's called Reduced Effort. And he's talking about uh, the way he's sort of like opera singers learn to really, really sing is to actually, you realize that the, the voice box is kind of what's getting in the way. And if you could remove that completely, it would be easy. So the, 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 basically the lesson of becoming a good singer is to reduce effort and to just, you know, allow the thing to, to, to come out. And it's like that in all of life. You're like, oh shit, yeah. And then you start really thinking about that. Whenever you've been really, really trying to make a thing happen, that's when it doesn't happen. Whatever it is, whether it's like when you're young and you're trying to get with a girl, whether you're trying to get somewhere with your career or whatever it is, when you're really, really pushing, trying in a, in a kind of going against it way, when you're going against the tide or whatever, shit doesn't really work. When you learn to relax and flow with it, that it does. The Wu Wei. Right. Akira, the the um yeah, I was just thinking about those clues. Like when I'm listening to to the meeting wave, sort of the continually offers me these little clues, and I don't. Sometimes they're so subtle that I don't really, I don't really know what they're telling me. But they're somehow these these clues that you draw out of these masters, and then you add your kind of you add your beat to it somehow and it's somehow you tap into a clue that, that sort of resonates. Do you know what I mean? And, and I often read, I'm very interested in reading the comment because you have such a positive community um, <laughs> on your YouTube and on your, you know, on your live streams and people, people are always in a sort of a roundabout way. They often try and describe the same sort of feeling in a way. Do you know, do you know what I'm sort of saying? That feeling that you get that I'm being presented here with some sort of clue from the past you know there's maybe this morphic resonance again that we're tapping into that there's these guys have have, have lived this experience and they've lived they've, they've found meaning through whatever and now akira this 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 epic dj is coming and he's adding a beat and somehow it's actually making me vibrate even more and it's it's, it's a very kind of a psychedelic subtle psychedelic feeling in itself that's what everything is right everything is vibration the vibration is on off and uh, duality is the, as we were talking about earlier, light shadow, all that type of thing that in itself is that's, that's a vibration. Everything's vibration. The music and that rhythm is a very visceral way of us being aware of that. Uh, you twin that with those things. The thing is right. Say the reason Twitter accounts get successful is because people work out a way of saying something that you already know but they're saying it better than you. You know, Naval is a genius at this. He takes these big ideas that are things that we've all kind of tried to think about or whatever, and he crystallizes them into a tiny little beautiful nugget that's completely understandable and quotable and brilliant. Someone like Ed Lattimore has a similar quality in a, in a kind of more workmanlike fashion. Uh, that's what all these people are doing. These people are crystallizing things that we all kind of knew anyway. We're born essentially knowing all this stuff, and then it gets hammered out of us by the world in a way. And then we kind of, we have this weird unlearning and re relearning experience that everybody seems to go through. Uh, so it's like, you know, the whole hundred monkeys idea. 
என்னத நான் एक्सप्लेन இட் இஸ் கைண்ட் ஆஃப் எக்ஸ்பெரிமென்ட் சப்போசிபிலி தட் வாஸ் டன் தேர்ஸ் பீன் a more recent one where they actually definitely did it with birds uh but the idea was you had a bunch of neighboring islands in Japan and uh these islands had monkeys on them and what they did was they took coconuts and they covered them in clay and they allowed them to wash up on the beach and the monkeys would find these things these coconuts but they covered in clay they were like what do I do this so, you know and this went on for a while and then one day some of the monkeys worked out that if you kind of like washed the clay coconut in the sea long enough the clay would come off and then you got the coconut then once 100 of these monkeys had done that suddenly all the monkeys on all the neighboring islands could do it right and this is a thing you know you see this sort of across nature how do how do birds all know to go to the same fucking place they do and all this type of thing there's certain things that once enough of a species does it on a evolutionary whatever level they all do it across the world the certain stuff you know it's like the steam engine was invented at the same time by a bunch of different people across the world seemingly like for whatever reason suddenly steam engine fly we have this with all sorts of ideas and concepts and things consciousness upgrades nowadays seemingly every fucking year it used to be that you could go oh look look at this people in the 60s versus people in the 80s and it's like a fucking different species there's been a kind of overall conscious consciousness upgrade now it's happening very fucking fast like very fast the, the, the human of right now is different to the human of a year ago on a lot of quite fundamental levels that's what i was talking about with normies you know, this mass upgrading of normies all the time right now is, is, is insane so you can think of it like uh like that 100 monkeys thing and when enough people understand an idea then everybody understands it without everybody having to had to go through the education process so with like the meaning wave thing it's like a load of people are like i had an intonation of this i already knew this and this is helping me remember this something's to do with the way that the music and ideas come together and that vibe really like viscerally connects you to that to that intonation that you that you fundamentally always had yeah i think there was a study uh on crosswords with that right have you heard of that tom the the no, morphic resonance people use that yeah i guess they release this crossword and there are some puzzle that was really hard and once one person cracked it everyone else started getting it across the world yeah, there you go yeah exactly it's that kind of thing there's there've been a bunch of there was one done with birds recently on the same thing and they found they I think it was in the UK and they were doing it on birds in London or something and then all the birds in Scotland had whatever it was they were doing it's it's yeah it's i mean it's how you know intergenerational uh progress occurs you know but it used to be that it was very slow but now it's really really fast <laughs> it's ridiculous now uh you know alan alan more of that was that it's yeah it reminds me of the mckenna uh time wave zero uh how time is speeding up and getting pulled to this great attractor at the end of history and we could feel it we're like being pulled collectively as a species and collective consciousness like you said all together towards something you know and i i feel it like it's the beginning yeah i kind i kind of feel that like we're currently if you think about the industrial revolution uh and you think about the way a caterpillar journeys through its uh, life future 
or the way a baby when it is in the, in its mama's tummy it munches through everything like a fucking hungry little caterpillar you know what i mean he's fucking everything but it only does it for nine months and then it's born if it did it forever yeah the mother the woman would die like in the same way that if we keep keep doing what we started doing at the industrial revolution forever we would die uh you know but that's not what we're going to do we're in the process of uh, of uh, forming our chrysalis and we will emerge as butterflies i think that's what's going on right now and i think that whole pull is the pull towards the birth of the human creature as its actual form rather than the current one which is like the baby or the cat or the caterpillar in the pole but yeah i think in a way like back to mckenna i think he talked about he said this i think he said there was two things there was consciousness and there was conditioning and he says that basically what we need to do is, is recondition ourselves basically and uh, and and that that point it stuck with me so 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 deeply because in a way we sort of allow we allow our consciousness almost to be hijacked by a type of conditioning that just brings out this kind of normative set of behavior this this flock like behavior and and all we all we really need to do is just use that very same thing that our consciousness you know it's it's the same mechanism it just needs to be actually the light needs to be shone from a different side in a way and maybe it needs to be shone into that dark side before we can actually reveal that true light, you know? And, and, and again, the meaning wave, it's all, it's, it's that yin yang. It's that, it's that darkness that reveals the light. You know, you cannot have light without that shadow. And I think that's, that's a thread, common thread, if I'm right, throughout your work. Yeah, that's been one of the fundamental parts of this, this stage of it, definitely. Was it Leonard Cohen had that line, there is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in, you know? But uh, the, the shadow integration thing is integral. And it's just like we were saying earlier, you, know, you, you have to do it in yourself, but we have to do it as a society as well. And that's part of what's going on, I think, with the whole Q phenomenon and all that type of thing, is uh, normally just realizing the shadow of the world and finding ways to accept that and integrate that. Some, people, some of us always knew that there was evil stuff going on or whatever, or we always knew that the news was lying or whatever. No, but not everybody did for whatever reason people had different lives and thought about these things shit what's so exciting about like right now is so many people are suddenly thinking about these things for the first time ever and they're all doing it all at once and you know google turned off the uh search restrictions three weeks ago for some reason you know mm. i don't know if you noticed that but like all the stuff that they hid from the search pages in 2013 that would, was the stuff that the first internet people were looking for all those dark corridors they got scrubbed off of Google. They're back and they're at the top page. Whatever weird esoteric thing you're interested in, if you Google it now, you will find it. Literally three weeks ago, the search, those things just, just switched overnight. I was, I was up for hours experimenting, like, hang on, what, this, this, this? Oh my God. Yeah. So that, that, that integration of the dark side or that awareness of the dark side, but you know, the thing that uh, the Jocko song is about, now that I know how dark it can get, I truly appreciate the light in the world. You got to do that first. And lots of for generations, people would kind of tell us to, to go away from that. Don't look at it, pretend it's not there. Or you don't need that or whatever. You do have to, you know what I mean? You got to look the devil right in the eye. And so we're all doing that right now. It's pretty cool. And I, and I, and I know just speaking from the work me and DJ are doing, and I guess our audience is predominantly men. Um, is it, you know, is, 
I, I sort of see it as a as a sort of a revival of this this mother sort of this feminine side of 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 Mother Earth making a sort of a making a comeback in a way and, and asking you know us guys to sort of sort our shit out in a way and really look at this dark side that we've sort of just kept kept sort of under wraps for so long and 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 in a way we're sort of being forced to to look at that to to realize that there's so much nurture in this earth and we just need to sort of i don't know reveal that sort of that more of that feminine side within ourselves do you think that's um a message that you've found doing all of your research with a lot of these uh these characters for the meaning wave i saw a decade over two decades ago maybe that was the thing that was kind of a lot of people I was reading was saying was coming. Mm. Would be this, this the new era would have this feminine energy to it, and there would become a balance that it got out of whack. And it's kind of like when you DJ in a club and there's too many dudes in the fucking room. You know? Too many dicks on the dance floor. Yeah, exactly. And you have to counteract that masculine energy with some feminine energy. You play something, you play something different that balances out that energy, and then it's a wonderful experience again. You're having a wonderful transcendent experience altogether. You have to balance. The, the masculine and feminine energies for that to work. You get either one out of whack and the club turns to shit, right? Uh, and it seems to be that way with the world. And lots of people were saying, yeah, this new era is gonna be uh, the, whatever, the, uh, the age of Aquarius or whatever, you know, it's gonna be this return of this feminine energy, the divine feminine, da 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 And a lot of people then got that confused with this like weirdo version of feminism that was about turning women into men. And then you go, no, that can't be it because that's just a continuation of that masculine thing. You know, sort of turning guys into weak, weak children and turning women into men is not going to fix any of that stuff. But that's already started crumbling as people have realized that was the wrong way of looking at that thing. You're correct. The right thing is this balance, is this, is this harmony with masculine and feminine, feminine energies. We just had this little hiccup beginning where people were reading that a bit too literally. But we'll see how that really manifests over the next 10 years, because that's the next 10 years will, will shape the new world completely. We're basically going to be building a whole new world in the ashes of the old over the next decade. And I think a lot of this noise that we hear um, on the internet and these social medias, I think a lot of that is kind of just this, this changeover noise in a way. People arguing and people shouting at each other and, you know, I think that maybe that's just that, that sort of that, that gravel in the transition that we sort of maybe just have to go through until we get to this, this golden age where people can just really, really realize that the male and the female, they, that they complement each other. You know, and there's this symbiosis that naturally will heal the world and has always been that way, but just we've kind of come a little bit. Like the, it's the integration of the shadow, not the, oh, there's a shadow, quick kill it. Hmm. You know? which is that we've still got to get to that bit. Currently, a lot of people are going, oh, fuck, there's a shadow, kill it. Uh, it's not that you've got to kill it, it's you have to integrate it, you have to make it useful, you have to make it work for you, you have to bring it into balance. You know what I mean? So that's going to be a big part. We have to sort of tame that aspect of our culture and of our hierarchies and of our structures. We have to tame that dark side and make it useful and work for us. And we have to bring balance in the male and the masculine and the feminine also. We have to bring balance in everything. That's why Star Wars, another reason Star Wars resonated so much because that was the fucking core message of those first three films was that balance in the force. It wasn't like, it wasn't beating the baddies. It was balance. Balance, you know? So yeah, we've got to do that. Big jobs. Big jobs. To go into the chaos and 
save the father. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and go back to, uh, fuck it then. yeah. <laughs> Going back to Tom, uh, talking about those like collective aha moments in the meaning wave where either the beat drops or it becomes the hook or it builds up and then you, you put in the, the bucko <laughs> at the end of it, which is probably my favorite. <laughs> um, how, how much time do you put into the research for the song, the hours listening to it? Because you said you put up two albums a month, right? Like what yeah, well, does that look like to that produce a song? That'll be one album and then one instrumental album. So it's really one album a month, you usefully repurposed in two forms. Because the instrumental side of it is, is important for the making the psychotechnology work. Because then if you listen to the vocal albums and then you listen to the instrumental, your brain is trying to recreate the words. You know, it's trying to fill in those spaces. So it actually really helps to sort of drill those messages in deeper uh, by reconstructing. But anyway, sorry, but your question as far as like how long do I spend uh, what, researching or, or on the individual songs or what was it? Yeah, what I mean, how much of your day, your your week, does that look like for to put out one one song? It depends on the song. Everything's a bit different. Everything's you know some things like that Rupert Spira one that took like fucking twenty minutes or something ridiculous that just came fully formed all at once. It was like the easiest thing that ever happened. Some things are harder. Some things that you know you, you're sculpting. Sometimes your tool is isn't as buttery as it could be it needs sharpening you know sometimes the rock's a bit weird sometimes you know it's different for each thing but like it tends to be the way that an album works is like part of the hyper productivity thing is i batch everything now so everything you batch things it means you're basically doing this you know a similar the same thing at the same time so uh you know like last night i rendered lots of mixes and made the artwork for lots of mixes all at and batch that section so with an album uh i'll work out what album i'm doing then i'll do the research bit where i'm listening to the material and getting together the, whatever the right material is some things it's easy alan watts is just like this is the subject so here's him talking about that in a talk and the way he talks is in album structure he'll talk for an hour or an hour and a half broken up into little three to five minute chunks that all weave together perfectly the old school guys did that joseph campbell did the same thing Someone like Jocko, it's like, all right, I'm going to get this bit from that podcast, that bit from that podcast. This one song is maybe going to have like three different interviews on the same theme to bring it together. Sometimes with more the, the newer guys, it seems to be more that way for whatever reason. I mean, I've thought about this and there are lots of reasons, but that's a whole other podcast. But anyway, so that'll be the first stage, get together the material. Then it'll be get together the uh, sonic mood type thing what what are the sounds what does this voice what sounds complement this voice what sort of instruments what sort of drum sounds or that type of thing i'll build specific new drum kits and new uh, sound libraries and instrument boards and things and make and make a template so it's essentially like i've brought a whole band together and this is the band that's going to play for this album you know and they're going to be using these instruments so I'll pull that together then i will build the kind of like uh, bones of the album by deciding basically which what chord progressions go for each song and what songs go in what sequence so I structure the whole album like a flowing sort of DJ set narrative thing from the beginning and then I'll go in and sort of detail it and I'll, and I'll 
I mean, at that point, I'll usually be writing the choruses and stuff. Sometimes the choruses come like immediately. Sometimes you're listening to the thing and you're like, that there is the chorus or that melody falls out the sky and that's the perfect melody to illuminate and really bring that section that's the section alive. Sometimes you're listening through the stuff and it's right at the end of the audio that that hits you. Sometimes it's the first thing. Mm -hmm. so, you know, it, it's, it's different for each thing. But that's basically about, about the usual thing. You know, and then I'll, then I'll fill in each song um, and then I'll finish the whole thing. And then I'll, yeah. You know. So as each bit is done in a, has its own little set, stage of, mm -hmm. of development. Yeah, it's when systemized. I'm, yeah. And that keeps you in the zone of each bit and it keeps the whole thing cohesive because I'm really trying these albums, I want them to, to really, really work as a whole cohesive thing. But then each section of them also has to work individually. So you could just have one track of it and it would still work, you know, which can be tricky in the context of like, you know, someone breaking down a really complicated idea over the course of five songs to have one of those songs still be valuable on its own. And uh, that's a, I'm definitely a lot better at that now than I was. I was definitely working out a lot of this stuff as I went along. Uh, yeah. Is that after that? Yeah, I'd be, you probably need to make an e-course and sell that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be the longest e-course. I was trying last night, I'm trying to, I'm currently spending far too much time on, on not music because of all this stuff. So I was trying to delegate some of the stuff that's taking me like five hours a day or whatever to virtual assistants. But just writing down the processes in a way that someone else could understand, you're like, holy shit, A, I'm doing an incredibly large amount of weird shit here that's all over the place and it's all these different processes and things I'm logging into and systems I'm using. And then you, when you write it down, you realize how fucking ridiculous it all is. <laughs> How, how difficult it is to translate it to another human that isn't you and hasn't gone through the entire business team conduit that is your life and experience. You know what I mean? We all have these very specific, unique uh, skill stacks, as Scott Adams puts it, talent stacks. You know, I have this, so I've, I have all of my things that I can do, which mean I'm allowed to do this. So therefore delegating things to someone else, you're having to find someone who's got a bunch of those. It's not just one of them anyway. That's a whole other fucking e-course. You must, just watching your live sets, Akira, I'm just so amazed about how you managed to like manage all that shit, like live stream, like you're, you're bouncing back and forth from left to right. You got your two laptops set up. You got these soundboards here and there and, and you're, you got your mic and you're throwing in these little riffs every now and then you're answering questions on the, on the comment section. Like how, how do you, how do you like, like do that? Well, you, I don't know how many of them you've watched, but that one, you know, that's definitely an incremental improvement. Systems versus goals way of approaching it. The system is do the thing. You know, the over goal is for it to be really good one day, you know. For it to, and for, but like the system is doing it. That's why systems beat goals because if the goal was to have the best live stream ever, I would just be constantly disappointed. But if the system is do the live stream, then I'm winning. And if the system is do the live stream and make it a little bit better every day, which is what I've been doing, then you're winning every day. And then you can go, oh shit, here we are today. What is it, 38 days in? Look at this one versus the first one. And it's just like so much better now. It's wonderful. But yeah, it's, I mean, you're basically doing like a TV show on your own. You know, it's actually, uh, I'm using three laptops. 
you know, one's playing the music, one of them's broadcasting it, one of them's taking the music in and kind of like leveling it out and making it sound okay, you know. And then, yeah, you're answering the chat, you're monitoring the crowd because you're real world DJing, you've got the crowd in front of you, you can see what's going on, digital DJing, it turns out you can do the same thing with looking at chat rooms and intuiting a bit. And there's a thing with the real world DJing where I've got to the point where I could, I could feel the energy of a dickhead when they walked into the club and I hadn't seen them yet, but I knew they were in the room. I could feel them step in. I could feel their energy rip from person to person and hit me. And then I could counteract that with the, with the music I played. So I could combat that dickhead energy by playing certain kinds of songs or what have you that would, that would squash that shitty energy and keep the thing rocking for everybody. You know, and you, you kind of have to be doing that in the stream as well. Yeah. So there's that. So you think of all that stuff, plus the fact that like the internet is sometimes not very good and sometimes the computer stops working and all these various fucking moving parts and scenes and this, that and the other. It's an all this huge amount going on. It's hilarious. But uh, yeah, that's just one of the things I've gotten good at over the years is, is being able to, you know, focus on one big thing that's comprised of lots of little things all at once. All lots of big things all at once. DJing really teaches you that. You're DJing in the club. It's like, A, there's things you want to do. B, you have to think of it like chess, like, or you don't have to, but you might be, I want to get to this point. But to get to this point, there are these other points, harmonically and tempo-wise and vibe-wise, and also it might not really work. The room might change. Different people are in the room. They might not like it, this, that, and the other. It's all these constantly moving things going on. Uh-oh, there's a guy over there who's going to glass that guy if I don't change things. Oh, that girl over there is going crazy. Oh, no, this girl's starting to twerk off the side of the DJ booth and all my equipment's going to fall on the floor. You know, all this type of shit going on all at once. And you have to balance all this stuff for everyone to have the, the best time. But it's not just best time because you want to create a transcendent experience because you're not fucking around. This isn't no middle of the mall shit, you know what I mean? You want to do these things to the best of your abilities at all time and create glory on earth while you're here every fucking night if you're taking it seriously. So like, then you really got to be paying attention. And you've also got to be in flow. You've also got to be completely in the moment to, to really get those magical moments, but you've also got to be simultaneously aware of those outside factors and be, and be riding those waves and also kind of helping to kind of move those currents around. Same thing in life. <laughs> And is there a future for the club DJ after after all of this? I mean, I know as much as you. You know, we don't know. I don't concern myself with things outside of my immediate domain of uh, of you know of sovereignty or uh, you know shit over which I have no control doesn't concern me too much. Uh, so you know, this thing happened, and I immediately started DJing indoors. That was it. Mm. You know, like immediately. Bajum maneuver new world adjust to new world and humans are great at that right i would say if there's a zombie outbreak tomorrow by the day after pretty much we'll have it we'll work out how we're dealing with it and we'll form some tribes you know people will have new jobs and things you know what i mean we adapt super fast as humans that's why we're fucking rocking it like we are so uh you know i don't know what's happening in the new world I don't know what they, what, what they, what the people that have control over that aspect are up to. Really, everyone's doing different stuff in different countries. People are taking advantage of the situation to do what they wanted to do anyway. So whether we, who fucking knows? But I, I exist, and I'm will be fucking rocking within the context of whatever I can, whatever the shape of the world is. I will be optimizing 
my activities within that regardless. So the potential then for a meaning wave live concert under the stars in the Joshua tree with uh, primal movers and strong camps could be yeah. on the cards. Of course. I mean, that's what I always wanted to do. You know, I was like, I was talking a few, however many months ago about really wanting this year to do the plan. We sort of have a new yearly plan every year. And this year we wanted to start bringing in meaning wave live experiences. And what's ended up happening is that the world has, has arranged its stuff so that that can happen. And we've been doing that digitally. So meaning wave live shit has been going on like every day now, pretty much. I've been, I've been performing online every day for 38 days. And oftentimes that'll be a full meaning wave set. And that's been helping me to work out what a meaning wave set would look like and sound like and how it would be done and different ways it could be done and this, that, and the other. So it's fucking perfect because this is the dojo for that i'm now in the dojo for that and then once this new world is apparent we can step out into it and we can have big fucking epic fuck off concerts in joshua tree under the stars Booyah! and uh the people will be, the audience will be ready and i'll know what the fuck i'm doing and uh it'll be perfect so shouts out to bill gates and the communist chinese corona is the fucking best thing that could have happened <laughs> uh, akira Dude, I got to ask you, how was that chat with Jordan Peterson? Because that was another thing that you kind of saw the opportunity, went into it, took it by the balls, um, and then made that great uh, collab with him. But yeah, how was chatting with him? It was ace. It was really, it was really nice. It was, really, it, was, it was quite intense. But it was lovely. It went by very fast. It was just like, zoom. It was, it was really easy and felt very natural was a little intense in a way i've met people like that before who are very you could, like you were on the internet and you're still staring right into your soul you know what i mean somehow you're still staring right into your soul through a webcam you know what i mean he's like there's no uh yeah you couldn't be falsifying yeah, it was dope it was awesome it was beautiful uh, i haven't rewatched it so i don't know how it happened. i just have my my memory of the experience of it and my experience of it was that it was uh very easy and lovely and joyful and and, and uh yeah yeah i was surprised how how natural like you said it sounded like you that, that opportunity arose and you just went in and killed it and it was a great chat but i yeah. was like damn he, he just took that to seize that moment went with it and turned out great it was funny because like I hadn't uh, elocuted a lot of the things that I spoke about in that previously. They just existed in my head. I hadn't like said them, you know, or written them down. Like a lot of the stuff we've talked about tonight, so I've been since then, I've done a lot more conversations and I've sort of written things down and stuff. So I've really kind of thought about what it is I'm doing and why I'm doing it and what it's all made of and all that stuff. So I, c I can communicate that now in a way that previously it just sort of existed as sort of like maybe there's blobs of, of things floating around uh inside you know uh so that conversation in that conversation i was crystallizing some stuff that i previously hadn't so that was kind of interesting mm, yeah, yeah. communication that's is, the training is, ground it's such yeah it's such communication is what we have right it's like it's it's just it's consciousness manifest right we can all we can all kind of bypass everything by thinking that we're just these beautiful spirits and we don't actually really need to sort of do anything in this incarnation. But I think, you know, bollocks to that. I, I think 
the way we are as humans, you know, all of our folly and all of our, you know, it's like, it's so beautiful that the way that people just turn up and use words and in your case, use words and music as well. It's like we, somehow we make this, this existence alive and we, and we, and we present that and we provide evidence that being alive is, is, is just the, the most psychedelic thing of all. Right. Yeah, well, if you go on the conscious, you know, we are consciousness experiencing itself thing, then that's just fucking necessary. What's the point of consciousness experiencing itself if it's only experiencing one little fractal at a time, and not the whole the whole glorious thing at once? Which again is is one of the things that's happening right now. Look, I mean, just this this little three window thing. This is like the three different bits of the earth. Three little fragments of consciousness experiencing itself is what's sort of vibrating together and, and having this way more sort of powerful thing. And these three Byzantine conduits that have been on these weird journeys all over the place are sort of sharing little bits of those journeys. And that's happening fucking everywhere. It's fucking everywhere. It's a powerful fucking Triforce right now on the screen. Yeah, it's good, good tri-beard thing going on. There's three, three epic beards. <laughs> I just think that I feel that I'm kind of just looking, looking at a sort of a lens into, into the collective soul of, 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 of everything that the meaning wave is, you know, I'm just like looking at you guys and I'm just, I'm almost like glowing with, with, with honor, you know, within me just thinking, fuck, you know, it's just, it's, it's humor. It's, it's, it's brotherhood. It's just, it's, it's getting shit done. It's trying stuff out. It's like thinking the unthinkable. And it's, it's just doing stuff, not really thinking what it's going to be, but just knowing that it is, it is beautiful, you know, and that gives me oh. such a, such a, such a beautiful feeling. Glowing with honor is the t-shirt. That's sick. Glowing with honor. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lo-fi track right there, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> so Akira, maybe we could wrap it up and aware of your of your time and thankful for that. Um, what if, you know, we get a lot of these guys, especially DJ and I, we get a lot of these kind of younger guys who are kind of looking to find their, their path, you know, and they're maybe, maybe they're into the physical side of things. So then they follow us for that, but then they get more sort of into the, the shadow side and trying to sort of honor some of their past and some of their traumas and some of their struggles. And, you know, as guys do, and what would you, if you could kind of have three or a couple of, tips for for these young guys who are just trying to search for their for their purpose or for their for their meaning you know what would you what would you advise from from your experience uh i was lucky because i always knew right or maybe i was lucky because i knew and then i did it and that was the thing i didn't let anyone tell me i couldn't and i used to have fights every day at school with people literally every single fucking day um to basically fight for my uh, right to exist as myself and, and not compromise uh, that sovereignty. I was doing that from as long as I can remember, weirdly. But if I guess if you're at a, if you're at a point in your life and you don't know, that means that you forgot because you knew at one point. So what you're gonna have to do is you're gonna have to time travel back to a point when you knew and then bring that back to now, you know? Uh, and uh, you could ask your mom, does she remember a time when you were glowing, when you were glistening, when something was happening in your life that made you alive? Because uh, there was, it happened at some point, and you need to go back to that point and find out what that was, and then you need to 
work out how that applies to you now and how that applies to you being useful in the world as useful as possible now right and then going all in on that uh so you've got to find out what that is first what what that thing that made you fucking glisten like the the words of truth glisten like uh like the carpet glistens when you put glasses on for the first time or like the corners of the room glisten when you have that psychedelic experience that glistening truth you've got to find out what that is and then go all in on that in a way that's maximally useful because you want to be useful in the world because if you've been useful uh then you are fulfilled in that fashion a man has three holes in him. One of those holes is filled by the love of his family. One of them is filled by uh, the him uh, acting optimally in uh, harmony with his highest nature, you know? And then the other one is being sort of like, he's getting that love of, of being super, super useful in the world. So um, yeah, you've got to find out what that is and, and, and do that. One thing you could do is time travel. I've been experimenting with music's time travel and it's very, very productive works very powerfully. Uh, so if you play a song that maybe was the song that was on the radio when you were seven, you can time travel to back when you were seven. You know, if it's, if you haven't dulled the pathways by overplaying, so you want to try and find a song that's a bit, a bit rare from that time period and you can put that music on and then you can go back to that place. And if you close your eyes and you go and you pay attention, you can look at the world and you can look around, you can see the shape of the room, you can see what was going on, you can remember, you can feel the feelings that you were feeling uh, and you can bring that back with you, you know? So you wanna find that, you wanna find that glowing thing that, that brought you alive. If you don't know what it is now, go find it and you'll, it's in the past somewhere so you can find it. And um, if you do know what it is, then just fucking zoom in on it and work out how to apply it to your life and the world now in a maximally useful fashion and uh, go all in on that quadruple down on on that go all in on that if you've something something's working now quadruple down on it find out the thing that's working quadruple down on it if you haven't started a thing yet find out what it is you need to do and just go all in on it like a year minimum all in and then see where you are and see how magical your life has become and all that stuff i was talking about earlier when you do do that go all in uh, don't second guess yourself uh, look for synchronicities, their signposts. When you start seeing those, you'll see more. And the more of them you see and the more that stack up, that you'll know you're going in the right direction. And if they start slowing down, it means you're going away. If you've ever played one of those video games like Red Dead or whatever, where you're looking for the treasure and the, the, the uh, controller starts buzzing, you know, when you're in the right direction, that's the synchronicities. They're buzzing, right? And the buzzing slows down if you're going off the path. You've got to stay on the path, right? So just keep in that fucking zone of buzzing controller, of synchronicity, of glowing, and keep fucking going in that direction. And just keep fucking going. And life will become magical. Well, life is already magical. Life, the magic of life will reveal itself. We just got to remember, yeah. right? Yeah. Exactly. Just got to remember who you are. Remember who you are. That was beautiful, man. Thanks so much, Kira. That was awesome chat. Love you guys. You're two of my favorite things to see in my digital world. Every time you I see you. You oh. too, man. <laughs> Can't wait to see in Joshua Tree. Yeah, right? Exactly. Exactly. That's one it's of them. Gonna be, it's going to be the dose wave, the 2021 dose wave fiesta. It's going to be uh, strictly invite only. Is that what you're calling it? Dose wave. <laughs> <laughs>
its way through Fiesta 2021. <laughs> it is now. Yeah, right? That's so good. You can already see the t-shirt. Uh, no, awesome. That was awesome, Akira. Thanks. Thanks.